This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore, and this is The Breakfast Wrap for Tuesday, June 20th. The forecast for today looks like a lovely one, mainly sunny, a little on the breezy side, and a high of 26 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, a desperate rescue effort is underway for five people lost on the bottom of the Atlantic. Number two, the Conservatives beat back Maxine Bernier in Manitoba. Number three, police searching for a man who grabbed a girl by the face on the subway. Number four, get ready for a summer of bad air. Number five, mayoral candidates Anthony Fury and Josh Matlow to appear today on More in the Morning. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Happy Tuesday to you. 5.07 on a Tuesday morning, this June 20th, Pride Week as things begin to uh, heat up in the village. Reading more coverage this morning, nothing terribly new in all of this, but just more coverage of the fact that for some reason, um, you know, pride started as a protest, even in some areas as a riot. Then it became a party. Then it got all corporatized. And while it's still corporatized, corporations are getting nervous after the whole Budweiser business or uh, blue light. Well, I forget what it was now. Was it blue light? Um, And... There is this hostility out there these days that kind of puts a bit of a taint onto pride celebrations. But we'll see how the weekend unfolds. Also, of course, the mayor's race really reaching a point of intensity. I think it's a combination of things. One, the stakes are so high. I mean, of the top seven candidates, and yes, I suppose it's possible the dog might win. But let's face it, of the seven major candidates, six of them are going to lose, or 101 of 102 people are going to lose. And then, you know, what what do you got? Mitzi Hunter pointed out yesterday, for example, when she appeared in our studios, that she quit her job as an MPP. Josh Matlow and Brad Bradford did not have to quit as city councillors, will continue to be city councillors should they lose the mayoralty. Um, I never thought, and he and I can talk about this when he appears on our show this week, but... I always thought Mark Saunders was kind of recruited. You know, somebody went and said, listen, the entire conservative brain trust of Toronto is ready to put fundraisers, pollsters, strategists, and somebody to drive your car uh, together. And we're going to run you because we want you to be the mayor. And being a retired police chief, he said, yeah, okay, why? I I mean, I got board work. Now, maybe I'm mischaracterizing things. Maybe he's listening right now and shouting back at the radio. You shut up, Moore. You don't know anything. We'll find out. Because all of the major candidates, save Olivia Chow, are appearing on our show this week. And today is going to be a blockbuster because it couldn't get more different than Anthony Fury, the arch conservative, and Josh Matlow, longtime progressive. Here's an interesting thing about the two of them. Both of them were actors. And I was preparing for the interview, and I didn't know Josh Matlow used to be an actor. I'd heard something about it, but I guess I just sort of blotted it out. Um, So I'd be very curious, actually. Maybe, Joe, look him up on IMDb and see if there are any credits there. Or maybe he was, he did pantomime. I don't know. Um, Anthony Fury did some very interesting stuff. The Toronto Star profile of Anthony Fury, I think, is recommended reading because 
it's kind of an example of what happens when somebody writes a profile about somebody they don't seem to like or perhaps just don't seem to agree with. But if you are taking notes and perhaps if you come and go, you know, I know that uh, John Burnside, for example, takes the dog for a walk with a set of headphones and listens nonstop from six to seven in the morning. But, you know, some people step out and just listen to the crickets and the frogs. Anthony Fury is going to be here at 7.20. And Josh Matlow is going to be here at 8.20 this morning. All part of our effort to, we started when they all declared, giving you a chance to get to know these people. Now, how have they changed? What have they learned? Where's their campaign? Um, that's the exit interview. And when it comes to Anthony Fury. I mean, here's a guy who really was part of, you know, the Rob Davises and uh, Chloe Brown and various other people who sort of, I mean, I know people say Chloe Brown placed third in the last election cycle. Yes, with like 5% of the vote. So let's not get too carried away. Anthony Fury has gone from that status to being included in our debate last Thursday because he's actually polling the latest poll has him in third place. I don't think we've ever seen that kind of change and progress and rise during an election campaign like this one before. And it's kind of interesting because our old boss has been, I don't know what his position on the campaign is. I don't think he's officially a campaign senior manager. Senior campaign advisor. Advisor. Okay. But senior. Okay. Um, and I imagine this is his calling card moving forward. If you can take a guy from obscurity and make him the third place candidate who everyone's paying attention to, that's pretty um, substantial. Um, this is beyond alarming, shocking, distressing. The five people aboard a craft that went down to see the Titanic and now that craft has lost contact and they don't know where it is. John Vinavelli Rao files this report for CTV. This is not a thrill ride for tourists. It's much more. In a recent video, the company behind the missing submersible touted its Titanic trips. Excitement, thrills. <laughs> a journey to the bottom of the sea for wealthy tourists wanting to get close to the world's most famous shipwreck. It's not a, a ride at Disney, you know. There's a lot of real risk involved and there's a lot of challenges. And tonight, those risks laid bare for passengers who paid a quarter million dollars to ride in this submersible after all communications were lost an hour and 45 minutes into their dive on Sunday. This 59-year-old British billionaire adventurer, now among the four crew members and pilot who haven't been heard from since. Hamish Harding also went to space on one of Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin rockets and on Sunday posted a photo signing his name on the Titanic mission logo. And the longer this goes on, of course, uh, the more at risk the people inside that submersible are. That submersible, called Titan, left St. John's on Friday, towed behind a support ship, with tourists going on an eight-day voyage to and from the wreck site and descending four kilometers. The company OceanGate has been offering such tours since 2021 in a statement saying we are exploring and mobilizing all options to bring the crew back safely, adding it's trying to re-establish contact with the submersible. This trip is not for the faint-hearted to begin with, so uh, there's five of you in pretty close quarters. Canadian Colin Taylor made the trek last year with his son and can't imagine what the missing are going through. They're all adventurers. They, you know, they had some notion of what they were getting into, but boy, uh, it, 
yeah, I, I, I really feel for them. Search planes from both Canada and the U.S. are now scouring the area, looking for any sign of the submersible above or below the surface. While sonar buoys are listening for unusual sounds in the water, like tapping on the hull or voices. If we find this vessel uh, in the water, then we will have to effect uh, some sort of rescue. But a rescue at the depth of the Titanic would be an enormous challenge. Larry Daly dove to the site 20 years ago. This is, uh, you know, heart-wrenching, you know, knowing uh, that this is going on off the coast here. A Canadian Coast Guard ship is on its way, and there's been a call out to private companies that could help with a deep-sea rescue with not much time to work with. That's John Venavelli Rao, and I can't quite figure out how you create a trip like this where you send a submersible down to the Titanic, but you don't have a backup plan in case something goes wrong with that submersible, because presumably you have other uh, mini-submarines. But at this very moment, there are five people They've got air, and we should probably calculate from the start point of this in order to see what the future holds. They, the submersible has air for 96 hours, but these are people who are trapped. And, um, you know, this is like the Chilean miners and the kids in, uh, you know, that cave. Uh, it's life or death. It's people who are trapped. It's going to take a miracle. And it's beyond distressing. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Okay, so speaking of people at large, yesterday we were talking about a guy who was wanted for three murders. Well, I mean, he'd already been arrested. He was awaiting trial on three different murders. And he managed to escape police custody or escape custody. Uh, in Sudbury. We don't know precisely where he was found, but he has been found, so he's back in custody. On the show yesterday morning, we were talking with our crime expert, Mark Mendelson, and one of the things he pointed out was this guy had absolutely no means of getting around, hiding himself, feeding himself. You know, he was, it was a hopeless situation. So he was probably either he was going to have to go off into the forest and forage for berries, or he was going to have to take advantage of somebody and somebody was going to have to give him assistance. And Mark was pointing out, if you do that, then you get to go to the clink too. So how this guy got out, that's going to be the first question, uh, you know, they'll be looking at, there's lots of cameras. They'll be looking at all that. Was there somebody outside waiting for them to, uh, to help them, help them with their escape? But it's also important to note that if you are assisting this individual in hiding, then you are essentially aiding and abetting. You are committing a criminal offense. So that's what the police will be looking at up in Sudbury. Who were his connections, his associates, his family? Don't forget, he walked out, no ID, no cell phone, no money, no debit cards. He's going to need some help somewhere along the way, and that's what they're counting on. All right, so let's move on to the by-elections, and people can tease anything they want out of a by-election because they say, wow, look, they held on to the seat, they're still strong, look, they lost the seat, they're all weak. Um, now, there are certain takeaways, but really, this is for the, the real pointy-headed wonks. However, it is significant, I think, that Maxime Bernier not only lost in Manitoba, but actually brought in less of a vote than his party brought in in the 2021 election. So in the 2021 election, the best riding in all of Canada was the riding that Maxime Bernier decided to contest in this by-election. They got 22%. And so along comes the leader of the party that you already like, 
but fewer people voted for him. Uh, People's Party of Canada, Maxime Bernier, 17.4%. Remember, in the last election cycle in 2021, 22% for the party. Conservatives getting 64%. The Conservatives' objective here was to crush Maxime Bernier because he eats away at a tiny portion of their vote, but enough to disadvantage them in some ridings such that they can lose to one of the other major parties. So they really want to hammer Maxime Bernier down. Maxime Bernier took to Twitter and said, until next time, he really is. Are are you familiar with this uh, Carrie Lake character? She ran for governor of Arizona and lost, and she refuses to acknowledge the election outcome, even though all of her lawsuits have been dismissed. She is a huge uh, you know, supporter and associate of Donald Trump. And a lot of people think she wants to be his vice presidential candidate if he's running for president. But she just continues. She's, she won't go away. She holds rallies. She tweets 10 times a day. She uh, is publishing a memoir. And it's, it's like a haunting. And that's what Maxime Bernier is. Maxime Bernier is fast becoming the Kerry Lake of Canada, a guy who loses again and again and again and again, and then says, I will be back. It's, it's like a Bugs Bunny character, honestly. Uh, in other writings, very quickly, uh, closest race apparently was a conservative stronghold, a rural Ontario riding called Oxford. And this has to be a bit of a concern for... Um, Pierre Polyev, since he's supposed to romp to victory in all kinds of writings, but especially conservative writings. And actually, the liberal is giving the conservative a pretty good run for their money. Meanwhile, uh, the son of an MP who passed away, a liberal MP, Winnipeg South Center, looks like he's going to win. And another prominent, uh, what do they call these people? Nepo babies? Uh, Anna Ganey, who's had a career of her own. She was president of the Liberal Party, but she's also uh, Mike Ganey's daughter, the former hockey player. And she held on to Notre Dame de Grasse Westmount, which has been liberal forever. I mean, that's that's the writing I grew up in. Warren Almond, uh, a wonderful principled man, the kind of person you'd want to be in politics, um, was the MP when I was growing up. And uh, then it was... Mark Garneau's writing, although that was kind of because they redrew the boundaries. And actually, it's funny. Quick side story. A friend of mine, I won't name her because she'd probably be mad at me, but a friend of mine wanted to run in that writing, and then it was reapportioned or redrawn, and Mark Garneau said, no, I'm running because he had another writing, so he bigfooted her. And so she was waiting for Mark Garneau to step aside so she could run. And it didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. So she ran provincially and won. And then Mark Garneau retired. All right, everybody knows I get everybody's name wrong. Which is funny, because the other day I was listening to a new pop song, and they did a, played a guitar riff, and we're driving in the car together. I said, that's from Flock of Seagulls. So I'm like, you know, a genius when it comes to strange aspects like that. And I can tell you, Louise Rainier won the Oscar for Best Actress two years in a row in the 1930s. Uh, But it was Bob Ganey. So thanks to the listener who pointed that out, Bob Ganey. Uh, I think most people still knew who I was talking about. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 537. Thank you very much, Nick. I'm sure Jennifer McKelvey is excited too if she's listening.
But I'm told while John Tory used to get into his car in the morning and say, put on News Talk 1010, Jennifer McKelvey likes listening to, to, the, uh, to the tunes. So that's why we always dig out something from the 1980s for her when she's uh, in studio. So um, this business yesterday, and you really, you have to be one of those people who's sort of addicted to, especially Twitter, but social media, and does the go-around of media outlets on a regular basis, like hour by hour. There was more than a disturbance in the force. It was as if a thousand conservatives had called out in the night and then been silenced. Um, but there was this explosion yesterday. RCMP confirms it is investigating Justin Trudeau and the liberals in the SNC-Lavalin affair. Turned out they weren't. The very quick story is this. Democracy Watch, which is an advocacy organization, sent a message to the RCMP asking for comment on the investigation that was launched a long time ago into SNC-Lavalin. And the RCMP responded, this apparently in May, and they did the same thing a year ago, that they couldn't comment on it as it was an ongoing investigation. And then, we can only speculate now, but apparently Democracy Watch sat on that and then decided to share it with the National Post on, oh yeah, a day where there were four by-elections. So it totally exploded yesterday. And then the RCMP issued a terse statement reading just getting to the copy here. In response to numerous media reports, the RCMP can confirm it is not investigating allegations of political interference in the trial of SNC-Lavalin. It's been a closed file for a good long time. I was actually quite surprised, you know, thinking that it was true. I used to write for the National Post, so I've always liked the people who work there. But I also sense that it's not the publication that it once was. And so yesterday, very strategic and unconfirmed, and as it turned out, fake story. So it ain't happening. And I know that's a tremendous disappointment to everybody who wants Justin Trudeau to fall on his pointy face, but apparently not going to happen. A man who allegedly tried to grab a 14-year-old girl's face on a subway on the TDC and performing an indecent act is being sought by police. This happened at Wilson Station, June 12th, shortly after 5 p.m. 14-year-old girl was the victim. She was on board a southbound Young University train when a man approached her and attempted to grab her face. And the thing is, the picture of this guy is very clear. I don't know how anybody, I mean, I guess when you're gonna do something as inappropriate and disgusting as that, you're not thinking very rationally. But there's pretty well nowhere that you're not going to be caught on camera these days. And there is the kind of picture of this guy that has been released by police that makes it impossible that he will not be identified. And there's the additional information that apparently he was using sign language. So it kind of narrows the suspect list down. What a crazy story as told last night on CTV about a 22-year-old American guy who was arrested at Pearson Airport after swabs of his shampoo bottles turned, turned up positive for cocaine. So, I mean, there's a lot of uh, detail to the story. He works for an airline, so he has the ability to fly around kind of at will. And he was coming, going from Brazil to Boston, but to save money, he booked himself through Toronto. Now, 
just as a memo you can tuck away to yourself. If you can avoid it, don't go to a third country. It's just a really bad idea. You can easily get into trouble. And later on, one day, perhaps we can talk about all the airports that are really terrible airports to transit through. Uh, and basically, in wintertime, anything north of the Mason-Dixon line is a really bad idea. But anyway, this guy arrives at Pearson. They swab his bottles. They do it several times. They keep on coming back positive. This is just the outside bottles uh, of these bottles of shampoo. And they had test positive for traces of cocaine. So, Jeremy Cuevas Tolentino ends up being remanded into a cell at Pearson and then ultimately transferred to a medium security prison. Same sort of facility where Canada's most notorious rapist and serial killer is now housed. And he waits day after day after day while people attempt suicide. He's in a cell with two other guys and there's only two beds. Um, they, he keeps on getting questioned. And then lo and behold, they do a deeper test on the contents of the bottles and find them negative for cocaine. And to boot, what happens is that even after they had tested and proven that the guy is innocent, and there's no cocaine, they don't go to the jail until the next day. He doesn't get released until the evening. And now he's at home. This all happened in the month of April. And he says that he would like some kind of remediation or settlement. I must be the only guy when I arrive at the airport and one of those sniffer beagles is working, I always like call it over. But probably a really bad idea, but I love dogs that much. Uh, good news, the wanted man, Joel Roy, or Roy, I'm not sure if he pronounces it the, uh, in the French fashion, but uh, the guy who was wanted after escaping while awaiting trial on three different murders has been rounded up. He was still in the Sudbury area. Uh, one of the five things you need to know is that the air quality in southern Ontario and in parts of Canada is probably going to be lousy for the rest of the summer. Uh, Chief Public Health Officer Dr. Teresa Tam yesterday saying there are serious self, uh, health implications from the smoky haze uh, because the smoke contains microscopic particles. And that is a risk not only to humans, but also to animals. And when you think about animals, I know you're thinking about your dog and your cat. What about all the farm animals across Canada? So all of that as a result of the worst forest fire season that we have ever had. And this, this story is absolutely insane. In Alberta, where they had wildfires that forced people to evacuate, when they got a handle on the wildfires and people started going back, now they've had more rain than they would normally have, more rain in a couple of days than they would normally have in the entire month of June. So the problem now, flooding. And it's even more acute because once you've had forest fires, it um, leaves the ground in a certain, you know, kind of a condition where the rain doesn't get absorbed and it starts to run. So, um, you know, they got the rain they wanted to put out the fires. Now the rain is causing flooding and it just goes from bad to worse. Lots of other things to talk about on the show this morning and we'll continue to update this story about the people lost in the submarine. Interesting columnist Elizabeth Renzetti pointing something out which is that the world is absolutely seized with the fate of five people, four of them probably extraordinarily wealthy, the other person's the pilot, 
And, you know, tick, 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 everybody wants to know what's happening, what's happening. Meanwhile, migrants off of Greece, boats are sinking, people are dying by the hundreds. Nobody cares. All right, let's get into what Toronto's talking about this morning. News Talk 1010's John Moore joining us here live. John, good morning. Hope you're doing well today. Good morning. Welcome to Tuesday. Yes, John, good morning. Good to see you. Okay, let's start off with this uh, missing uh, Titanic submarine and what we know about, you know, the efforts to save it so far. They're running out of oxygen. Yeah, the clock is ticking. Apparently this craft, there are five people in it, four passengers and one captain, and it has 96 hours cumulative from the moment of departure of oxygen. But it's been lost at sea, and what I find amazing in all of this is they're deploying ships and planes, but what they're really going to have to deploy is another submarine. Um, Elizabeth Renzetti is a columnist uh, making an interesting point this morning, though, which is that the world is completely seized with this drama and the lives of these four individuals, mm. while my Migrants continue to be aboard sinking boats off of the coast of Greece by the hundreds. So there is a bit of an imbalance when you consider four of the people aboard that submarine are very, very wealthy individuals. Mm. A contrast for yeah. sure, John. Uh, in the meantime, let's talk. We had uh, several by-elections across the country yesterday. Max Bernier, PPC, fails to win his quest to win a by-election in Manitoba, not his home province necessarily, but thought he may have a chance there. Yeah, and one of the first tweets I came across this morning, even though he's been defeated in this riding in Manitoba, is, I will live to fight another day. Mm. But it's worth noting, Maxime Bernier placed worse than the candidate who was previously running for the People's Party of Canada in this riding, which was the best performing riding for his party in mm. 2021. So, I mean, he's not going to go away, but I think it's pretty clear Maxime Bernier does not have much of a political future. Uh, meanwhile, in the riding of Oxford, it's actually a fairly close race. It should be an easy one for the Conservatives. Looks like they will win. Uh, Westmount, Notre Dame de Grasse, uh, Anna Ganey has been elected, Bob Ganey's daughter. Mm -hmm. And in Winnipeg South Centre, the son of a late MP who is a Liberal has been elected. So all of the writings won by the parties that held them. Mm -hmm. Okay, turning to this next story, uh, John, which is very disturbing. Uh, I saw it on News Channel. A man was thrown in jail for almost a week after a, a drug test at Pearson Airport wrongfully finds traces of cocaine, whatever it was, in shampoo bottles in his luggage. Yeah, this is a fellow who was traveling from Brazil to Boston. For some reason, he decided he would transit through Pearson. Didn't go so well. Uh, swabs of the outside of his shampoo bottle tested positive for cocaine. He's bound over for jail at Pearson, then sent to to a medium security prison. Finally, after five days, they realize, hey, there's no actual cocaine inside of these shampoo bottles, and it took another 24 hours to release him. This happened in April. It's on, only coming to light now, but he wants some kind of restitution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's looking at launching a lawsuit. I heard that. Yeah. yeah. It's a really interesting story, really yeah. disturbing, especially the conditions that he was uh, staying in uh, for those five days, John. Uh, in the meantime, Canadians, all of us should be on alert for more bad air quality days ahead this summer as those wildfires, as we continue to report, continue to burn out of control in many cases in many provinces. Yeah, those smog days that we have had, uh, we may have again all through the summer. Apparently, a lot of these wildfires are going to continue to burn. Even if some are under control, there'll be others that are new, and the whole thing is going to continue to smolder. Yesterday, Ontario's Chief Public Officer of Health, Dr. Teresa Tam, said there are serious health implications from this smoky haze. Mm. And as mentioned, it will probably continue until Labor Day. Yeah. Mm. 
Okay, unfortunate for us. And turning to this, John, TDSB has introduced its first school without gender-specific washrooms. Yeah, this is interesting because it takes uh, a movement that began several years ago. There are 50 schools in Toronto uh, that actually have gender non-specific washrooms, but those are private washrooms where you can go in, close the door, lock the door. Mm. This is the first school. It's a brand new construction where you just have a conventional washroom, but it's all stalls. A lot of the parents are very concerned about this. Other people think it's all very progressive and who really cares about gender when you're, you know, from kindergarten to grade seven. Uh, but I think there is going to be considerable controversy for the weeks and months to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. We'll see yeah. where that one goes. Uh, News Talk 1010's John Moore. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Have a great show, and we will do this again tomorrow. Take care. You too. All right, that's Jennifer Sheng and Nick Dixon over at CP24, our sister television station and this gender business will i mean there's just everything seems to be on fire these days when you have people resorting to violence where you have that incredible case i mean i just i I remain absolutely gobsmacked at a guy who would sneak into the hospital room of a man who's dying of pancreatic cancer to take a smug selfie a smiling selfie with a dying man just in order to give payback to the dying man's daughter because they disagree about drag queens reading in libraries. And I, I'll never quite understand this uh, drag queen business. I, I think a lot of it's based on the fact that people have no idea what drag queens do. I mean, they're clowns. That's all. It's just a di- it's clowns, but they're cross-dressing. Dame Edna did it. Um, Ross Petty did it in the pantomime year after year after year. The kids absolutely adored it. But now everything that was perfectly ordinary is controversial. And not only that, but worthy of of the kind of macabre transgression that this guy committed. And so now people are going to argue over washrooms. The only thing I would say, I mean, I'm reading, it's a Toronto Star profile today. Uh, Isabel Teotonio the education reporter writing about this school. It's called the Gene Lum Public School. And it's just, they they have, I don't know if they have more than one washroom because I don't know how big a building it is, but boys and girls use the same washroom. And Muslim parents, for example, feel that their religion is not being respected because a Muslim girl may wish to remove her hijab um, as part of a purification ritual. And... So that can't happen in front of boys, so they're complaining about that. Other people say that uh, boys and girls are peeking underneath the stalls. I can't see that as something that didn't happen in, you know, gender-specific washrooms back in the day in schools. Um, But there are a group of parents, a group representing roughly 125 parents in this elementary school, say kids peeked beneath the stall doors and kicked them while girls were inside, and a boy once exposed himself to a girl. They also say the washrooms, which have only toilets and no urinals, are dirty because urine is left on the seats. So, I don't know. I mean, uh, I was going to say I have no opinion. I guess I do have no opinion because I see how this kind of washroom can work. Um, And I also think that conventional boy-girl washrooms are just fine. 
And if you have another washroom, as they do at like en route stations, which are designed for one person at a time and are good for families and are good for people changing babies, then maybe that's the best approach to things. But at the same time, um, you know, a lot of this stuff could be solved if they just went with, if you've been to England, you've probably seen, and they do this, for example, in some of the lounges and airports and stuff like that. Uh, you go into the washroom and there are like eight stalls, but the door actually closes completely. So you've got the privacy that you crave and who cares who's walking around in the washroom before and after and washing their hands, just keep moving. That is The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.